Everyday Eternal. I'm Sam Craven. Located to my north is Matthew Pavlik. Say hi, Matt. Way far north, actually, so hello. And to my way far east is Julian Kanab. Hey, hello. We're going to start off with the rest of the new cards from the new Consulate set. Consulate? Um, really? Yeah, Consulate, because it's got the Onslaught Fetchlands, it's got Morph. That, that's clever. I'll, I approve. I must admit, I did not come up with that on my oh, own. Oh, fuck. I think I stole that from Brainstorm Brewery. <laughs> Our first card is Stubborn Denial. It's a blue instant, four spike a non-creature, but it has Ferocious. If you control a creature with power four greater, it's just a hard counter. So basically, the, like, if you control a Tarmogoyf, it's a one-mana hard counter. Or if you control and equip a Batter Skull, or probably a Knight of the Reliquary, or a Tomb Stalker. I, I like this. Or if you control a True Name Nemesis with a piece of equipment on it. <laughs> so yeah, definitely within the realm of playability. Probably not a four of, maybe a one or a two of. Definitely something you'll see some people trying to play. I'm thinking maybe in like a Canadian Threshold deck as a two of, maybe taking the spot of Spell Pierce. Because like, if you have a Goyf out, it's a hard counter. If you don't have a Goyf out, you're taxing their mana base, so for spiking them still might just get there. I uh, I actually want to talk about this with regards to Hooting Mandrels. Because it sounds... So, I think Hooting Mandrels is a card that was perhaps spoiled at the time we were talking about last time, and we didn't really look at it. And I think it's something to really kind of consider, because... Tell us a, what it does, please. So it is a 7 mana, 6 mana, it's pretty awful. Uh, it is a 6 mana or 7 mana delve creature, so it's, uh, I think it's 5 in green delve. And it is a 4-4 four, four trample. So my thoughts on this card, and I was talking about this with a few other people, including um, Benjamin Wheeler, who we had on a couple episodes ago. And he postulated that this could fit into some sort of zoo shell or perhaps a drug delver replacing Nimble Mongoose. Well, I think one of the things on these Delve cards is that, generally speaking, a mechanic like Delve is considered a drawback. With the format the way it is, Delve can really be something that helps you. So some of these cards that might not be good enough might be quite good when you can, say, get rid of your entire graveyard, shrinking their goyf, and making their Deathrite Shaman a 1-2. Yeah. I, I think there's so much play in these Delve cards. Like like you said, like screwing over their Tarmogoyf or their Deathrite Shaman or... Still, you can still play pretty strategically if you're playing your own copies of those cards, so I think it has a lot of play. And it's worth noting that they cannot respond to you delving with Deathrite Shaman, because delve is part of the cost, and it all gets paid at once. They don't get to, like, grab something out of the yard and just get you. Which, because when in doubt, you should always eat your opponent's fetchlands and stuff with Deathrite Shaman, just to make sure... It's it's like a tactic that you do up against Spackdiver, because they randomly have the Tombstalker. And that's something you should be even more aware of from now on. I think the cards are interesting, like the the four four ape or monkey or that Matt, Matt mentioned. It's a mandrel. It's a mandrel, isn't that a monkey, anyways? I'm not sure if it's a new world or old world monkey. I'm gonna look this up. It's an old world monkey. I told I was I was thinking it was an old world monkey. Okay. On the subject of delve, treasure cruise seven and blue delve. All right, obviously way too high casting cost for legacy. It can't be counterbalanced. And it draws three. So this is, I believe, another version of making a strictly worse Ancestral Recall? Well, obviously, yeah. My first thought on this, before I realized it was seven and a blue, I thought it was like three or four and a blue. At like four and a blue, a Time Spiral deck can get rid of all the fetch lands that they don't want to draw back. But at seven and a blue, you probably have to get rid of too much good stuff. Another place this has got potential is in a Dredge deck, 
where you can get all the crappy cards out of your graveyard and trigger three more dredges. That I could see. Julian, what do you think? Um, I think all of the of the dev stuff that has been started uh, thus far is just not quite cutting it. Even like the, the draw three sorcery, that's a card that you would want in the very first turns. Like you want all of the, the cantrips and dredge, for example, like Breakthrough and Careful Study and Faithless Looting. Um, and later on, you're not going to draw it anymore because you're just going to be dredging anyways. So it's if, if you somehow were to, to, I don't know, change around the slots and end up in a situation where you actually want to include more of these draw spells, yeah, then I can see it. But right now I think it's worse than the stuff that already exists. So I, I don't see it being played in, in dredge. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's some... Some people maybe randomly sideboarded it in control decks for the control mirror, but even there I think there might be better options, especially since it's sorcery. So what happens if this card was made as an instant? It Does it become uh, playable 7U? 7 is, is quite a lot. Well, and Julian brought up something that's kind of a theme for this set for me. There's a lot of stuff that's just, you know, right on the borderline. Like if this costs like CMC one half less, it becomes a lot more playable. I totally agree. And on that, so our next card is Murderous Cut. It's four and a black, delve, instant, destroy target creature. No restrictions, no non-black, no non-artifact or anything like that. So obviously destroy target creature is quite strong. It's an instant. Yeah, at instant speed. Four is not that much to delve when you've got, you know, brainstorms, ponders, fetch lands filling up your graveyard. Any thoughts on this? Julian, you first. Um, it reminds me of Ghastly Demise in a way. I guess. Um, I think Ghastly Demise said non-black, and this one's easily better, but I, I, again, I, I'm not exactly seeing in which kind of deck I want to be playing it. Uh, I could see it being played because 4 is okay, and I would love to counter a Deathrite Shaman activation just by going, yeah, B, counter your Deathrite Shaman activation, kill one of your dudes. Um, it's just that right now I'm not seeing a deck that actually wants to play the card, but I think it's of all the Delve cards that have been spoiled, this is at, at closest to being played in Legacy. I agree. I think this card might see play. I'm not sure... Wh- I mean, if you're splashing white, you're you're going to want Super Splashers over this card all the time. If you're splashing green, Abrupt Decay is still probably going to take care of most of the creatures you want to kill anyway. So I'm just wondering what deck wants a Delve Destroy Target Creature spell. And I'm like... Does Combo want this? No, probably not. They can just chain a vapor. Like, you can't even play it on a God of Teak. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I don't know. It feels a little bit too narrow. I think the card isn't bad. I agree. Four to Delve is, is not bad at all. Maybe as removal, like, five and six. Maybe in, like, a reanimator deck that doesn't get care about getting rid of fetch lens or something. You just need to get rid of, like, a scavenging ooze or... I don't know. Yeah, but all the stuff you want to remove, you will probably just needle. Exactly. Or have Abrupt Decay, because you could just play Abrupt Decay in that deck anyway. Or a Submatch. I always loved Submatch and Reanimator. Yeah, all the, like I feel like there's so many other answers. that That's totally fine. I think if we were seeing a lot more creatures being played that before CMC and above, like maybe if the format had shifted from Abrupt Decay to you know creatures that cost four, then I would say, like, hey, you know, this card is actually going to see some play. But everybody just said, fuck it, we're just going to play more cards that cost three or less. Or print Turn and Emesis, then it doesn't matter. Alright, and then just another one I wanted to point out, just like, just on the edge of playability. Uh, Utter End. Cool name. Two white-black. Instant. Vindicate non-land. 
This card, 100%, would be playable. I played this card at one white-black. I would play this card at either black-black-white or white-white-black. I think it's more playable at black-black-white, though. I would play this card if it said Vindicate, no condition, black-black-white, lose three life. That's what I would, like, they could put... So you're agreeing we're right on the borderline of playability with this? Right on the border. We're, um, we're right there. Another one, this could still see play if someone wanted to get cute with dredge or something. Empty the pits. XX, black, 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 black. That's XX and quad black. Put X, two, two zombies into play, tapped at instant speed. I like this card because, like you said, an EDH's card's going to be pretty darn good. Um, the only problem is obviously XX, black, 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 black is pretty terrible in Legacy. <laughs> and I think like even if this was like 1X and quad black or 2X and tri black, maybe. Obviously, both of those costs are way more aggressive than they'd print something like this at. Um, it's a neat card. I don't think it'll see any play. Julian? Uh, don't ask me about the card. It's awful. Yeah. I think it's really <laughs> flavorful. Don't get me wrong. The art on this card is amazing. I really like it. But oh, I haven't seen that good. one yet. Is it even better than, than Zombie Apocalypse? I haven't seen that one in a while. Let me check. You know, a lot of these the put a shitload of zombies into play cards are just awesomely flavorful but just not good enough like there's a card from i think innistrad block that's like bring on the piles of the damned or something ridiculous like that zombie apocalypse is also pretty good i'm looking at it right now <laughs> also pretty good uh one card that i actually wanted to say was on the cusp of playability as well is siege rhino so one junk so black white green four five trample when siege rhino enters the battlefield each opponent loses three life and you gain three life so why is this on the cusp of playability? Because, again, most listeners are probably going to play blue and not care about this card at all. Well, again, I think if this was like half a converted mana cost less, I'd totally play it. I agree. Because it's a 4-5, so hooray. It doesn't die to... It's about the size of a Tarmogoyf, the average Tarmogoyf. It has Trample, so it's going to hit for 3 over their true name nemesis. And it comes in and drains them for 3 and you gain 3. The only problem is that this card costs 3, it would be a prop decay, which I'd still be okay with. But at four, I think it's just a little bit too much. I mean, if you're on the draw, you know, they get to four mana, they play Jace, and then this is your, like, I'm going to play this. I, it's just not good enough. It it's actually so kills close. Jace, right? Or I does it drain, it. or does it deal damage? I wish it I wish it dealt damage, but it drains. Oh, okay. See, that's why I also think that the, uh, that the instant speed Vindicate that they printed, or, you know, semi-Vindicate that they printed, needs to be not four. Because I feel like if you want to combat Jace... At instant speed, you need to be on the draw and be able to go, you know, they go Jace Brainstorm and you can go, you know, Vindicate it in response before they draw those cards. I think that's that's an important consideration when printing something that's in that realm, at least for me. Yeah, I mean, but even then you're down a card against the Jace, I guess. Oh, for sure. But at least to have a chance against that Jace, you need to have them not draw the cards first, right? So the Vintage Super League, I hadn't really heard too much about this, but Sam, you were talking to me about it. Do you want to kind of explain what's going on? Yeah, so the Vintage Super League, uh, for those who don't know, is a, I don't know if event is the right term, being put on by uh, Randy Bueller. Uh, what they're doing is they've got 10 big names from Vintage playing round robin, and then they'll split, they'll cut to top eight, play top eight. I'm not sure what the prize is for top eight, uh, but they do... Uh, five matches every Tuesday. Um, and what one of the things they know they're going to do, they're going to drop 
whoever's the 10th place and possibly 9th place will get dropped and replaced with someone new and they'll do another season. So the people in it right now are LSV, Rich Shea, Steve Indian, Eric Froelich, I'm not sure about the pronunciation on that, Tom Martell, Randy Bueller, Bob Marr, David Williams, Josh Utterlayton, and Chris Pakula. So definitely people that you want to see playing vintage. Except Sam Craven. I want to see <laughs> Sam Craven playing vintage. <laughs> but um, then one of the things they've added to make it an interesting metagame thing is, you know, everyone can scout each other in something like this. So the deck lists are just open after week one. Every three weeks, you may completely change decks. If you want, you are not required to. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, I think it brings a really cool metagaming kind of thing, because, like, you know, all right, so-and-so brought shops. I need to bring more artifact hate. Well, that guy's going to go, well, they're going to bring an artifact hate for shops. I switched something else. And then, you know, the other person's going to go, well, they might switch off a of shop, so maybe don't bring that. And the other person, you know, goes back and forth. So I think uh, it'll be really interesting this coming Tuesday. Hopefully we get released by then, but maybe the Tuesday that just happened uh, will be week four, which will be the first week with the new lists. Um just to go through it real quick, the current lists are LSV is on a Pyromancer Gush deck. Uh, the interesting things about it are he's playing Empty the Warrens and Repeal. As, uh, I guess, Repeal as removal. Empty the Warrens is kind of a good finisher. You know, you gush three or four times and preordain and just throw an empty out there just because. Uh, Rich Shea is playing Knight's Whisper Slaver. I don't know if y'all know what Knight's Whisper does. I do. <laughs> it's a, the two mana draw two, lose two. It's it's one and a black draw two lose two. So oh, it's uh, and it's you draw not target player. So it's uh, sign and blood that cannot be misdirected and does not cost black black. Uh, Stephen Meninian is playing Labman Doomsday and of course uh, it is. <laughs> surprising. It's it's really funny to watch because the commentators you know when you play a deck like Doomsday especially online where you don't get slow play warnings you just run out of time and lose. Um, he had like in week one he brainstorms for ten minutes. And they're like, you know, is is he disconnected? What happened? And then he untaps, casts Doomsday, and they're like, oh, that's fine. You know, resolves a Doomsday in like two minutes and wins the game. And it's really funny because the commentators, you know, at a certain point don't know what to say. It's kind they just of just stop talking. Well, they they it's it's hard to fill ten minutes of space, you know, when you are not super practiced at a deck like Doomsday. But what's been really enjoyable, at least for me, is. Uh, Meninian has been doing the next day. He will play. You can watch old matches on Magic Online and you know click through them progressively each priority pass and stuff. He will play through it and explain his choices. He'll talk to the chat and be like, you know, what do you think about these choices? You know, here's where I was going and stuff like that, which has been really really interesting. It's kind of uh, if you want to learn to play Doomsday like Legacy or Vintage, I would highly recommend watching it because he he knows what he's doing. Can you mention the name of the channel? Because I completely missed that, and I think lots of people uh, are actually interested in that. The Vintage Super League is streaming now on the official Magic Twitch stream, so just twitch.tv slash magic. Oh, okay. It's Didn't Tuesdays at, I think, 7 p.m. Pacific. If you go to the t official Twitch Magic stream, they've got the info at the bottom there. Um, cool. Let's see. Eric Froelich is on Merfolk, as is David Williams and Randy Bueller. I think I might have gotten a couple, one of these wrong. I think there's only two more folk. I don't know. Uh, Tom Martell is playing Regoth Gush. Uh, the interesting stuff he's got, he's got two Mindbreak Trap, which has just completely owned a couple people. And he's got three Mystic Remora. Uh, Bob Marr is playing Oath with Vault Key. Josh Utterlayton is playing Storm. Uh, the particularly interesting thing about his list, he's got four Mishra's Bobble. Interesting. Which is another one of those, yeah, that I'm sure a lot of people don't know what it does. It's a zero mana artifact, so it's a storm builder. 
Tap, sacrifice it, look at the top card of target player's library, draw a, beginning, draw a card at the beginning of the next upkeep. Slow trip. Yeah, so it's a slow trip, but it's also a storm builder. And then Chris Pakula is playing Terra Nova Shops. Now, what's the difference between Terra Nova and regular shops? You know, that is an excellent question, and it's the kind of question where I would much rather just, like, uh, open talk the... Talk to uh, Sean? Well, talk to Sean would be one uh, option. Hold on just one second. I'm just going to pull up the deck list. All right, so here's Pakula's deck list. Four Workshop, four Tomb, four Factory, four Mutavolt, four Wasteland, one Caracas, one Talarian Academy, one Strip Mine, um, your Solo Moxen, three Chalice, three Null Rod, four Sphere, four Thorn, one Sculpting Sphere, four Phyrexian Revoker, four Lodestone Golem, four Phyrexian Metamorph, one Darksteel Juggernaut, and three Dismember. So it's a creature-heavy deck. It's a, it's a creature-heavy deck. And, I mean, you can imagine what happens when you go Lodestone Golem next turn, Metamorph, Metamorph, or something like that. Fuck and me. they just, you know, oh, I'm on a two-turn clock without being able to cast anything. His sideboard has three tabernacles in it, which to me tells me he was ready for young Pyromancer. Oh, baby. Now, now I feel bad about selling my extra tabernacles. I feel bad about that, too. You should have sold it to me. Yeah, I had, like, seven, and then I was like, eh, I don't need but yeah, uh, this has been really enjoyable. Um, they also restream it usually. Like as soon as it finishes, they just show the stream again. The whole thing is archived. It's also on YouTube, so you can go check out the old episodes. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a ton of fun to watch. Really interesting. Good to see some uh, some attention being being brought to vintage. That's good. Yeah. Well, I, I guess y'all y'all will have to start watching it so that you can like know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, I'm. We're going to start our Vintage League here, uh, I think, in the next couple of weeks. So I actually have to decide what deck I want to play. Oh, uh, proxies or no? Uh, proxies, yes. So you can build whatever you want? Yeah, but I have four pieces of real power. So, I mean, ideally, I'd like to try to build something that I that I actually have the most cards for. So I have a Lotus, I have a Sapphire, I have a Time Twister, I have uh, a Ruby, and I have a Time Bolt. So... That's, so you know, five pieces of power, two are kind of semi-powered. That's like Pyro, Gusher, Storm, I think. Yeah. So I think I might go with Pyro for a little bit, and maybe, if not, switch over to, like, Junk Cave Bears or something. Or I might just play Dega and Vintage. Yeah. Uh, Bugfish is obviously super strong. It's the deck I've been having the most problems with. I've started playing online. I bought into Vintage Online. Um, speaking of that, I have a Would You Keep or Mulligan this? This is in the blind, on the draw. Black Lotus... Mox Ruby, Basic Island, Scalding Tarn, Gush, Force of Will, Nature's Claim. I'm playing a blue-red Delver deck with a tiny green splash for, like, Nature's Claim and Dragon Predator. I, I hate that hand, I guess. I mean, it's, it's quite powerful, depending on what you draw of Gush, if you even want to Gush on the second turn. I have to say, I don't have a lot of experience with that deck, but that draw doesn't strike me as particularly... I mean, it doesn't really do anything, right? Yeah, that's, well, that's the problem is, if it draws anything, pitching, it, it's perfect. Yeah, and pitching Gash to Farsafir is really not where you want to be with that hand. But there's a chance that he might have to do it. Like, imagine your opponent going, first turn, that confident go. What do you do? Yeah. Cry. <laughs> Hope they hit Force of Will repeatedly or something. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a very strong plan. <laughs> yeah, so I ended up mulliganing, and then my next hand was um, five lands... And a it was five lands and like maybe a Delver and I was like I don't think that can get there and then I mold again and I was like well I have to keep this five is pretty low 
That's too bad. Yeah. I've been having an interesting time playing Vintage Online, especially because I'm, you know, I'm still getting used to playing online. Uh, my first two-man, I was, I had finally put the, the deck together, had had a few drinks come on, like, yeah, I'm going to knock out a two-man. It's like two in the morning. I've had like four margaritas. Jump in the two-man queue, immediately fires, someone jumps in. You have been paired against Steven Menendi, and I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we actually ended up having a great match, but I was like, man, really? My first match has got to be against him? Like, that's rough. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that happens. Uh, so Julian is actually bugging us with a, uh, with a reminder to go talk about the... Emperor no, 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 CS. it's not a reminder. It's just, uh, I'm gathering the data. Oh, okay. Because I totally forgot we wanted to talk about this. So now that I remember that we want to talk about this, Julian, do you want to start talking about this? Yeah, I, I think we, should... we really should mention that because... To a lot of people that don't play uh, Legacy and Magic Online, this kind of flew under the radar, which is kind of sad because it's easily one of the top five most important Legacy tournaments of the year. But maybe maybe top five. Like, let's okay, let's say there are two GPs, two one or two percent of maximum, but whatever. It payout wise, it's it's insane. It's yeah. the only Legacy PTQ. That's really all yeah. you gotta say. Yeah. This is called the Magic Online Championship Series, is it not? Yeah, and you have to qualify for that. And I actually pulled a 15-hour all-nighter just to qualify for that. And in the end, it ended up being a 117-person um, tournament on Magic Online. We had seven rounds, I believe. Yeah, seven rounds. And top eight. Uh, now, this is the interesting part. The winner not only goes to the Pro Tour, which is already super important, he also goes to the Magic Online World Championships. That's in Barcelona. It's being held on the same weekend as the regular World Championships. So they're actually flying you out to Barcelona. They are paying you at least 4,000 bucks. I mean, if you if you don't get that last place, you even get more, mo uh, more mana, <laughs> more money than that. Uh, and on top of that, you get like, I don't know, 500 bucks worth of Magic Online cards. But that's just the sweet thing on top. So it's a really, really important tournament, and payout-wise, it's easily on the same level as GP. and honestly, as I mentioned, people weren't really super aware of it, and I, I thought that was quite, the shame, quite a shame. Um, I hadn't heard of it until you told me about it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even care about the Magic Online Championship Series a lot, because there are 12 end-of-season tournaments for each month, each year, and most of the time they are standard, I don't know, block, sealed, whatever. But and, I mean, we could also get into, like, you know, how Wizards does an awful job of marketing Magic Online. How many Legacy players could they have gotten into Magic Online if they knew that they could PTQ playing Legacy? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that, I mean it's, that's a, it's expensive so to get into, but you'd get a few. For, for sure. And that's why I felt like th this had deserved much more attention, and, and yeah, there wasn't... I mean, okay, there's no coverage, even though the tournament, like, each season final is pretty big. But, yeah... So, anyways, um, for me, I only went 4-3, and three, kind of a shame. I mean, we were expecting a lot of burn, because everybody on Magic Online can qualify for that, but not everybody, <laughs> <laughs> not everybody has a Legacy deck. So, obviously, lots of people just jump to the next best deck, and that is burn. So, yeah, I, I played against burn and Diver slightly too much. I was preparing heavily for burn and miracles, but yeah, in the end, it didn't work out for me. But that's not the important part. Um, I sent you guys an overview of the top 32. I'm so looking at it right now, and there is a wonderful pie chart here that has the breakdown of the top 32. Yeah, so in the top 32, the most played decks um, were Burn at 6 copies, as well as Miracles. So that's already 12 out of 32. That's is it no, a third, not... Yeah, just, it's actually more than a third. third. 
yeah. Um, then we have Buck Delvert or Team America uh, with four copies. Elves, three copies. Dredge, two copies. Shardless Buck, two copies. And then single copies of Grixis Delver, Death in Texas, Mono Red Sneak Attack, Blue White Delver, I think it was Blue White Stoneblade, whatever. Belcher, Topter Blade, Sneak and Show, and Four Color Cascade. So, what do you guys think of that metagame? I'm, it looks to me it's a lot like an online metagame. I mean, six burn copies in the top 32 is impressive. So I'm wondering if burn is just prevalent in terms of the actual saturation, like number of people playing this deck, or if it's the real deal and just it just totally Well, I think, I think burn is the real deal right now. It's gotten a lot of boosts in the last uh, couple months. But what I think is really interesting is burn and miracles being the top two decks when... Miracles tends to be such a tough matchup for Burn because you know you get a counterbalance out with a one, on, you get the countertop combo out with a one on top, and you just counter their entire deck. Yeah, but on the other hand, I think that Burn isn't all that much of a good matchup for Miracles. I think it should be pretty fifty-fifty, maybe even favored for Burn because Miracles has to get the counterbalance and the top, and almost all the other cards don't matter at all. And even then, you you still have different casting costs and. You can play around that, and as I said, they're not always going to have countertop active on turn two. I think I also, though, in a metagame like this, like online, I would assume that you would maybe try and tweak your sideboard a little more to be ready for burn, and there's no colors besides blue and white that have as that have anywhere near as good uh, burn sideboard options. <laughs> yeah, somebody uh, suggested Velvisha to me, but that was obviously not going to happen. <laughs> But I know uh, I agree. Um, I know some people actually sideboarded Leyline of Sanctity, the the white one that gives you gives it hexproof or shroud or whatever that so they can't target you, uh, just because of burn, because it's really running rampant on Magic Online. And if you look at the at the actual results in the daily events, burn is not doing very well. Burn only contributes 3.3 percent of all the decks that actually win money on Magic Online, whereas Miracles contributes 15 percent, and that's easily the highest number. So, so, you're, so yep. what we can maybe derive here is Miracles is the best deck played by the best players. Burn is the best <laughs> cheap deck, maybe, or the best deck played by non-Legacy players. Yeah, I guess that's true. We, we uh, unfortunately can't see beyond the top 32 decks, but I believe there's even more Burn down there. And we really don't want to go down there for now. <laughs> and you can, the other thing is on Magic Online, you can buy Legacy Burn. There's a Burn Precon that has, what, like 85% of the whole deck from a money standpoint, and the Precon's like 35 bucks. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about the top 8. The top 8 had two Elves, two Burn, a single Miracles, one Team America, one Sneak Attack, and one... Four color cascade, also known as waterfalls to some people. That's like four color without white and yes, all the good. Burke, yeah. And all the good cascade spells. Like you can cascade Bloodbred Elf into Shardless Agent into Interest Diversions, <laughs> attack their chase, kill them, and suddenly the can, whole board yeah, is turned around. I've seen people play like one or two of Violent Outburst in that deck. <laughs> okay, that's really going over the top, I guess. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you listed those decks, but not the order. And if you'll notice, if people look at the results, what are the top two decks, Julian? The final? Oh, the final was played by two tribal decks. It was actually a, uh, an Elf's Mirror in the finals. Of course it was. <laughs> um, let's see. So, Elf's, but... Oh, how can I check that? I think it would too much time. So take too much time to so actually check Lanto, the or whatever his name is, L-E-N-T-T-O-1, playing... Yeah, Magnus Lento from Sweden. Yeah, was playing the Rent Run Packmaster main deck. 
uh, running a Pendlehaven with 18 lands, uh, running a sideboard with Abrupt Decay, Null Rod, a Sylvan Library, so it's running the Black Splash. Great. Uh, this other guy, oh, Jesus Christ, whatever his name is, Skernushmakwats, whatever, second place. He's playing one more Virtual Rangers. He's playing Rorikthar in the main. He's only running 17 lands, and he's running the Swansong sideboard. So three Swansong, still a Pithing Needle, still a Null Rod, but, you know, it's, it's yeah. more towards Swansong. And Swansong, I guess, is there to combat Sneak and Show it, but Miracles mainly, I assume. Yeah, it's it's just utility over the entire meta game. I think we had talked about how I don't like Swansong, but I mean, can't argue with results for now. Well, the results um, are that the person without Swansong won. So. Yeah, <laughs> but l let's talk about the finals in a second because there was some interesting action going on there. Lanto actually sent me an email. He he contributed a lot of his success to watching my stream, which was really flattering for me. And you donate yeah, winnings to your stream. Uh. I actually <laughs> had quite a bit of donations, but they were from different people. Unless he, he's got a secret second identity from Italy, and I don't know where the other person was from. Lanto is actually going to answer some questions, because there was no coverage on the whole thing, so he's going to answer some questions for the podcast. Yeah, um, I, I sent him some questions, and he was kind enough to provide uh, answers for that. And... I asked him to mention several very interesting situations throughout the entire tournament, and one of those happened in the semi-finals of the mocks, or very, or I think it was the quarter, yeah, in the quarterfinals, where he played against Team America, Bakdelva, and it was game three, I believe, and he was, yeah, his, his hand was kind of okay, he was thought-seizing his opponent, and suddenly he sees show and tell in the Bakdelva player's hand, and he was like, oh my god. Oh, fuck, I screwed this up again. <laughs> okay, anyways. Okay, sorry. Uh, I think the story is just so good, so I, I, I want to intro it right. So, um, Lento was kind enough to answer some of the questions for the podcast because there was literally zero co uh, coverage. So, in the quarterfinals, um, he mentioned that he played against Buck Delva or Team America, and it was the final game, and his draw was kind of shaky, and he didn't really like it. So at some point, the worst thing happens that you really don't want to happen. You draw progenitors into your hand. And he's like, man, come on, now all my unnatural orders are worthless, and I've got this useless progenitors in hand. Oh my god. So, so he actually pictures himself losing the match. So he passes the turn. His opponent taps three mana. Let's remember that he's on Bugdiver, Team America. And he casts Show and Tell. <laughs> and he's like, what? So Lentil actually ends up putting Progenitus into play, and the other guy put Iona into play, and Progenitus easily outraises Iona. So, uh, Matt, I, I guess you can talk a bit, a bit uh, about the sideboard of the Bugdava deck, so because brutal, that's what's highly interesting. This deck is four Bitter Blossom, four Show and Tell, one Grafdigger's Cage, two GTA, and four Iona. Four <laughs> Iona. What is the Show and Tell there for? I think, I feel if you're running Iona, it's against Burn. Alright, I, I can see yeah. that, because I'm, I'm trying to think, like, you know, Bug has got a pretty good matchup against a lot of stuff. I guess, yeah, Iona just turns Burn off. I guess it also, it's good against Elves, because if you can name green fast enough, like, if you can do turn two Iona on the play, right? Dur yeah. uh, Deathrite Shaman. Yeah, Iona I have green. actually lost to that guy, turn two iona uh, and then even equipping Chitta on it. So, <laughs> it's a thing, and I'm, I'm very happy that we see some kind of innovation, even though that was probably tuned to the Magic Online meta, where there's a lot of burn, but, it, I don't know, I like it. <laughs> 
Yeah, so then the fifth place list is that Berg uh, Cascade, which is, I don't know, I think it's interesting. I mean, you don't see this deck a lot, at least in stateside. Not a lot of people play Berg. It's definitely among the most expensive decks you could possibly build. Which so, is why I like it so much. Because it's all <laughs> it's all fetches and duels, and it's all fetches and blue duels. My favorite. Brainstorm, Force Will, Is It Charm, Lightning Bolt, Bloodbred Elf, Deathrite Shaman, Shardless Agent, Tarmogoyf, True Nemesis, and Cephal Vision. Jace the Mind Sculptor. I like this. <laughs> Uh, sixth place, uh, it's another Miracles, but he's running Opt. Opt. Okay, so in case you guys don't know what Opt is, it is a one-mana blue instant. Look at the top card of your library. You may put that card in the bottom of your library. Draw a card. <laughs> now, I'm not sure why, like, wh what this person's reasoning is to run this card over anything else. Are, are, there, are there any of the major cantrips missing? Like, is it, like, his 15th cantrip? Yeah, he's not running the Ponders, it looks like. I guess maybe, the, like, the only thing I could think of is maybe when you have something floating at the top of your library that you just can't get rid of because you don't have a shuffle effect or don't want to shuffle. But in that case, why wouldn't you just run Preordain? Yeah, I'm wondering. Or maybe it's just for the instant speed uh, miracle. Like, you just go opt, draw it, goodbye. But that's, that's what your top is for. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's, 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 that's an interesting decision. It's, it's like a fifth copy of top that's only a one-time use. <laughs> yeah, it seems bad. I mean, this person is running the one of Flusherstorm in the main, which is kind of old school, as well as the Red Elemental Blast in the main, and a one of Spell Pierce. Seems a little odd. Also running three and treat the angels. I don't know. And running Riptide Laboratory, which All I all the great, about, which I had liked about, which I had talked about a little while ago. Um, could replace Caracas, especially if you're not running a lot of uh, Vendillion Cliques. But this guy is also running three Vendillion Cliques in the side because Caracas is just a little bit more mana efficient. But you know, he probably got some value out of it, so it seems okay. He also has two copies of Slice and Dice on the sideboard. What? I didn't even see that. I just, like, <laughs> I just saw Blood Moon, and I'm like, okay, this looks pretty normal. He's also running three Surgical Extractions, which I guess is that maybe a lot of people are running Reanimator. Slice? What the sweet fuck? <laughs> okay, so Slice and Dice, for those of you that don't remember, because I didn't, is apparently a six-mana spell that can deal four damage to each creature at sorcery speed, or you can cycle it for three mana for Blood Moon casting costs. And when you cycle Slicing Dice, you may have it deal one damage to each creature. I think Is It Santa Caster is probably still better. You know, with, with a card like that, I have to wonder if perhaps this is one of the players who's not a, usually a legacy player who couldn't find a card at the last minute or was just like, well, I know this is the role that I need filled, so what cards least, fill that role? And, you know, found Slicing Dice over some other card. I, I remember his name, and he actually plays quite a bit of Legacy. But, so I guess he, he, he's he got some reason to do that. So I mean, it's obviously... So you're saying he did this on purpose. Yeah, I'm, I'm very sure he did this on purpose. He's definitely running more of Red Splash, because he's running three Volcanic Islands instead of the normal two. So, I mean, I... Yeah, I he's running know. three, but usually you when you run two, you have a mountain in the sideboard. So I think three is okay. No, you don't um, need to have the mountain in the sideboard. You don't have to, but that's what most people do. I don't know. Maybe some of those people are wrong. <laughs> yeah, a lot, be true. <laughs> a lot of people have switched to instead of that doing a volcanic and a mountain because a big reason to have the mountain was because it can't be wastelanded. I understand, but uh, anyway, that's an interesting, interesting addition that I had never ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, somebody uh, mentioned that that it's it's an answer to entreat the angels, but I think it's a very bad answer. But that is a like terrible when, answer because yeah, explosives is a real good answer. Real fine. And EE is already good when you're playing three colors, especially when you've got three Volcanics for your third color. That seems just fine. 
Uh, nothing going on with the seventh place list that I can see. I mean, Ponder, Show and Tell, Sneak Attack, Lotus Petal. Playing one of Jace in the main, which I think is interesting. Uh, this person is also playing the Repeal. Uh, I saw Repeal being played, you know, a while ago, and I think it's fine. There are definitely cards that you don't like to see, like Pitting Needle, that are never bad to be able to, you know, get rid of. Sideboard, do you guys see anything, anything really different? This person is running more Bounce. I like Bounce. A lot of people aren't running it, but I think it's. I agree that it's fine. I think. I mean, in general, I think bounce is underrated. I used to run a two echoing truth main deck in Merfolk because I didn't have like two of some other card, and uh, the best time I ever used it was some guy stormed off on like turn two and cast an empty the warrens for like fifty. He's like, "Do you concede?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "All right, pass it back." I'm like, "End of turn, uh, echoing truth." And he's just like, "Oh, uh, game two. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't the best feeling when they're in Final Tutor and you just bounce their Chrome mocks and suddenly they just find a second copy of the mocks? <laughs> I've never had to do that. That would be amazing. <laughs> so, um, for the rest of the tournament, uh, uh, really much thanks to Lanto for providing so much information. I think we are not going about uh, over all of it. Um, just so that you guys know, I'm going to mention all this of his matchups throughout the Swiss because most people, actually nobody even knows except for him. So in the first round, he bet 12 post. In the second round, he bet Burn. In the third round, he lost to Miracles. In the fourth round, he bet Miracles. In the fifth round, he bet Burn. In the sixth round, he bet Miracles. And in the seventh round, uh, in the seventh round, he bet Blue White Red Diver. Burn, so Miracles, Burn, Miracles, Burn, Miracles, Burn. <laughs> yeah, that's magic online for you <laughs> right now. Um, I asked him about. Yeah, that'd be a tough, tough, tough thing to run through with elves. I mean, that's I wouldn't want to see that staring down the barrel of that many miracles decks. Oof. Yeah, yeah. He, he, over the entire tournament, he went two and one against miracles, and from what he mentioned, uh, he started out when he when he started playing Magic Online. I think one or two months ago, he was always losing to miracles, but he somewhat cr uh, came back, and I think. Over the last four weeks, he actually has a winning record against Miracles Elves. And I asked him, what, what's his take on, the on, on Elves of Miracles? Because la a lot of people will tell you, yeah, you just try to win as fast as possible. And that's true for game one. But he said in the post-bot games, take your time. Play it slow. Just make sure to disable top. He's, he, the one card he's fighting is top. And yeah. everybody knows that's the card that holds Miracles together. If, without top, the deck, oh my god. <laughs> We're try a playing. Slash by Telegraph. From the past, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it says, "Please stop sensitive <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm just mentioning it because a lot of people have actually told me to not worry about neither terminus nor counterbalance or whatever, and just play my game and try to get there. And I think that's wrong. And I'm kind of happy that a person who did well with the deck uh, has the same opinion. So uh, I think I'm not too far off in my way to 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 challenge or or tackle miracles. No, I think I think running a mixture of Null Rod and Pithing Needle to tackle different decks, but specifically also have both of them combat top, I think it's very important. I think Null Rod is a card that could see a bit more play right now, just because between, obviously, uh, shutting down top is really good, but shutting down every equipment, that's pretty strong as well. Yeah, but the thing is, a lot of decks are actually running equipment themselves. Like, if you're running white, you're running Stoneforge Mystic. So you can't run it. So basically the only decks that are really it's open to are stuff like Elves. Uh, Merfolk can't run it. Uh, Goblins can't uh, run it. A, a lot of Merfolk decks are not using Aether Vial anymore, so they could run it. Okay, so if they're not running it, that's fair. Uh, Bug Delver has been running Null Rod for a little while as well. So yeah. I mean, Dega could run it. 
You can take out your Stoneforge Mystics and just be Haterade. Oh, that's so awful. I think that's that's all I've got. Unless unless y'all want some stories of why I was gone for two episodes in a row. Yeah, I guess tell the tell the people. So uh, the reason that the last couple episodes were a little slow to come out, I know that the one two before this took twenty eight days to get released. Was um, I got married two weeks ago? Hooray! Yay! Um, or I don't know, maybe yeah. the wedding itself. We rented out a uh, a brewery, St. Arnold's. If you're from Texas or Houston, uh, just super cool. They have a giant. It's just a beer hall with a bar at each end, and had like 120 people drinking beer, eating barbecue. We had no wedding cake. We had pecan pie instead. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I think is that all we've got? Yeah, unfortunately, I've got nothing else. Time for some uh, some day drinking. Plays of the week. Uh, I have a, I actually haven't played in a week, so I don't have any plays of the week. All right, let's get out of here. So do you want to do the outro? Yeah. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. Right. We're good. Feedback is always appreciated. Email us at everydayeternalcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everydayeternalpodcast. Or follow us on Twitter at eternalmd.